Welcome back to Round the Cauldron, where we talk theology, philosophy, and everyday life as a modern witch. Last month, I talked about my thoughts on community and why it's important for those of us in occult spaces. This month, as voted on by my patrons, I'm going to dive into the idea of gatekeeping and cancel culture as it applies to our communities. As always, thank you to my patrons. Your support is what helps keep the podcast, the channel, and my website up and running. So thank you to Rose, Jess, Hillary, Lee, Angie, Leelai, Magical Crafting, Bliss, Beverly Butterfly, Jessica, Jennifer, Laura, Chris, Nad, Brittany, and Meredith. If you'd like to join that list of names and help support the work I do, feel free to join me over on Patreon at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron. I can't believe it's already the end of July and we're moving into August. My daughter starts back at school soon and I don't know if I'm ready for that. Um, I had wanted to homeschool her, but as it turns out, neither one of us is made for the homeschool life. Speaking of back to school, make sure that you're subscribed to my YouTube channel if that's something you're interested in because I have a video coming out soon about back to school witchcraft and things that we can do with our children and our little witchlings to help them ease this transition into back to school time. Anyway, let's talk about our monthly forecast for August. This month's astrological forecast is brought to you by my friend Adriana Morales. She is currently studying astrology and she was able to put this together for us. Follow her on Twitter at Adri M. Kasik, and the link will be in the show notes. And I don't know if I said that right. Uh, Adri will correct me if I got it wrong. So remember that when it comes to dates for astrological events, you should always double check the exact dates to your location. Astrology is fun like that, and things can change depending on where you are in the world. We start the month of August with the Sun and Mercury in Leo. This puts the sun in its ruling sign, meaning it's comfortable. The energy will be outgoing, playful, out there, and self-centered, but in a good way. It will probably also be a little dramatic. Mercury and Leo will give communication these same characteristics. Between the 7th and 8th, depending on your location, we'll have the new moon in Leo. This is a time for new beginnings focused on yourself and your personal needs, a time for self-reflection and a moment to put yourself first. On the 11th, Mercury enters Virgo, which is one of the signs that Mercury rules. This will be a time where communication will be pragmatic, organized, and trustworthy. People will generally think before communicating. On the 16th, Venus enters Libra, which is one of the signs it rules. Relationships will be very balanced, peaceful, and people will be more open to finding middle ground and compromising. Up to this point, energies will feel steady since we have so many planets in their ruling signs. There won't be much overall conflict. On the 19th, Uranus goes retrograde in Taurus for around five months. This is a time that invites us to think about what we're doing in life and analyze the direction we're taking. A change might need to be made. This retrograde joins the current retrogrades of Jupiter in Pisces, Saturn in Aquarius, Neptune in Pisces, and Pluto in Capricorn. It's definitely a time where self-reflection is needed and cautious actions will be the best way to proceed. On the 21st or 22nd, depending on your location, there is a full moon, once again, in the sign of Aquarius. This is a time that invites us to do what we think is right, 
to act in a more rebellious way, to embrace that Aquarius energy that makes them different from the rest and drives them to want to change the world. On the 22nd, the sun enters Virgo, and this will be a time that will be filled with organized energy. Our actions will be very goal-oriented, and work will be important. This is also a time where people become more intellectual and think before they act. And finally, on the 30th, Mercury enters Libra. The tone of communication will shift, but not so drastically, but it will be noticeable coming from Virgo. Communication in Libra will have us trying to find balance between our thoughts. People will be more careful with what they say and will try to avoid hurting others. It's definitely still a time where people will think before they speak, but this time it will be to not hurt others instead of trying to find the best outcome as it happens in Virgo. Alright, so thank you again to Adri for our monthly astrological forecast. Now let's move into the topic. So gatekeeping and cancel culture. Two heavy topics that are talked about in the wider occult community fairly often. As with most broad topics like this, I'm mainly going to focus on witchcraft and polytheism because that's what I have experience with. However, these topics can generally be applied to almost any other community, even outside the occult. I also need you to understand that these two concepts are heavily nuanced like most things, and I won't be able to cover all the nuance in just one episode. Before discussing these two concepts in regard to the witchcraft community, I first need to define them for everyone's sake. As we know, sometimes words and phrases mean different things to different people in different contexts. Urban Dictionary defines gatekeeping as follows. When someone takes it upon themselves to decide who does or does not have access or rights to a community or identity. So when I say gatekeeping, what I'm talking about is the exclusion of certain groups of people based on a demographic, characteristic, or other measure. For example, telling someone they can't practice witchcraft if they're not a woman. This is gatekeeping in action. This is excluding a group of people based on a certain demographic marker. Cancel culture is a bit harder for me to define because it depends on the perspective of the person or people involved. When someone says that someone or something is canceled, usually that means it's boycotted, excluded, or kicked out of a group or area. For example, J.K. Rowling is canceled in most spaces because she's a massive turf and holds views and opinions contrary to the inclusivity we want to foster. Generally, someone being canceled just means they're being held accountable for their harmful actions, words, or beliefs that they refuse to acknowledge or change after being presented with the dangers of their beliefs, actions, or words. I really hope that makes sense and that I didn't just complicate the definitions. With those definitions in mind, take a second to think about how these concepts are used in your communities. Think about how you see the phrase gatekeeping. Think about the reasons someone may be canceled. I didn't hear the phrase gatekeeping until a few years ago, and even then I had a narrow understanding of what it meant. In short, when you look at the definition I presented, it sounds like an awful thing, and it generally is. As a community, if we want to foster a sense of inclusivity, we need to realize that keeping the wider gates of the communities shut and locked does us all a disservice. It makes the occult, witchcraft, and polytheistic communities 
difficult to access for those that may have limited resources. What is problematic, though, is the calling out of gatekeeping that isn't actually gatekeeping. This is where it can get complicated and nuanced. There are those that throw around the term gatekeeping whenever they feel like someone's keeping them from doing something, whatever that something is, and they feel like they're entitled to the practice or information. However, most times the term gatekeeping isn't even warranted. Let me explain that a little bit. Within the occult and wider spiritual and religious communities, there are certain practices that are exclusive to certain cultures and peoples. In some instances, you can't begin to understand cultural context or meaning behind these practices unless you were brought up in that culture or you were invited in. This is a fact. No one outside of that culture will be able to teach you the culture's practices and significance. When someone from these cultures or groups of people say that those outside their culture should not practice certain things, like smudging, because the cultural context is lost and that sort of whitewashes the actual practice and mechanics and beliefs behind it itself, the wider community and those on the outside should listen. This isn't gatekeeping. This is keeping you safe and doing you a favor, but more importantly, it's preserving the cultural integrity and practices of peoples that were and still are affected by colonization and genocide. A problem I find with gatekeeping in our wider community is when claims are made against someone else for trivial things. Let me use an analogy I wrote in a blog post last year that might help you understand the difference between gatekeeping and just expecting you to do the actual work before you make certain claims. So say you have two people that claim to be doctors, all right? Whatever doctor you want, just go with the story. One person is in their mid-30s, they have their credentials, certificates, licenses, and awards hung up in their office. They're board certified and have the education and experience to prove that they know what they're doing. The other doctor is in their early 20s, has none of this, yet claims to know exactly what the first doctor knows through their own education. A doctor is a profession and practice that requires years of study, practice, and hands-on training. It's a perfectly valid response to question the second doctor more than the first. Why? Because they have no proof that they know what they're doing. They have no board certification, no degrees, no hands-on training. Would you claim that questioning the second doctor about claiming the title of doctor is gatekeeping? Would you claim that telling them they can't claim the title of doctor is gatekeeping? I would hope not. You would just say that the second doctor hasn't had the education and experience to claim the title of doctor. No one is saying they can't be a doctor. They're just saying they need to go through the school and get the education and the experience and the hands-on training first. This concept can be applied to pretty much anything. Going with this analogy, there are some things in our community that I've seen called out as gatekeeping that just aren't. Asking you to do your research before you begin a practice isn't gatekeeping. Asking you to follow basic safety measures when working with fire isn't gatekeeping. Asking you to respect living cultures and not appropriate their practices, gods, and beliefs is not gatekeeping. Expecting you to do your own research before asking simple questions of more experienced witches is not gatekeeping. Expecting you to be knowledgeable if you're speaking publicly and teaching is not gatekeeping. 
asking you to vet your sources, be critical of your UPG, and learn the foundational basics of protection before doing any spirit work is not gatekeeping. Throwing around the word gatekeeping so frivolously like this actually does more harm than good. It takes away from the severity of the word when applied to things that actually matter. So what is problematic gatekeeping then? So here are just a few phrases that I've heard that are more gatekeepery than everything I just said. You have to be gifted your first tarot deck. You have to have a uterus to be a witch. Your magic comes from your womb. Children, usually used in reference to young people, especially young women on social media, shouldn't be practicing witchcraft and they should leave it to the quote-unquote elders. You can only cast a spell one way. There's only one right way to do something. You have to have a dedicated altar space. Wicca isn't a real religion. So yeah, gatekeeping is very nuanced and will largely depend on the perspectives of those involved as well as what is actually going on. But let's look at another side of gatekeeping, one that is just as important and one that takes on a slightly different tone. In this respect... I'm a gatekeeper, and I've spoken about this before, or written about it because I wrote a blog post, um, which I will link in the show notes. The entire blog post was inspired by a tweet written by J. Allen Cross, also known as Organ Woodwitch, author of American Brujeria. His tweet reads as follows. Given the number of white supremacists comfortably living within the pagan and magical communities, now might be a good time to reassess the quote, no gatekeeping movement we've been enduring. Our community should not be open to everyone without limitation, especially Nazis. This type of gatekeeping is important. Gatekeeping in this regard protects our communities from those who would do it harm or give us a bad name. Some gates are meant to be kept. Some gates are meant to be closed. Some gates are meant to be hidden from the public. Not everything is open directly to all people, and that's just how life goes. The occult community deals with this on a regular basis because we have smaller fringe groups of people who do not promote the ideals we generally want as a wider community. For example, there are groups like the Folkists who parade around in the pagan community and who are pagan who are also white supremacists and hold up Nazi ideals. The ideals they uphold are not ones that we want in the wider occult community, and they should be kept out. As a leader of a community, albeit a small community with my Discord and YouTube channel, and a person with a public presence on the internet, I am a gatekeeper. I am the keeper of my community, whether that be this podcast, my YouTube channel, any of my free social media platforms, and my paid platforms. I have a responsibility to the people I serve in my community to make sure that it's a safe space for them to share their experiences without fear of judgment or hatred. And this is especially true for Black people, Indigenous people, other people of color, and other marginalized groups of people. You are safe here, and you are welcome here, and you are valid here. But if you're a trash human and you uphold Nazi ideals, white supremacist beliefs, fascism, transphobia, or any of that other stuff, using a nicer word there, I don't want you here. You are not allowed through the gate of my community. You you do not belong here. 
And on that note, let's take a break and answer a listener question. L. Wallace 36 on Instagram asked, can you be a witch if you don't want to work with herbs or crystals? If yes, any tips? Okay, so yes, you can be a witch if you don't want to work with herbs or crystals. Absolutely. As far as I know, crystals are originally part of the New Age movement and have just recently been incorporated into a lot of witchcraft practices. I don't personally work with or use many crystals in my practice, but I have a couple that I'm partial to, one or two that I'm really attached to, but in the end, for me, they're stones and minerals with distinct personalities and energies. Are they necessary, though? No, not at all. As for herbs, you don't have to use those to be a witch either. Magic and effective spell work can be done without tools and enhancements such as herbs, stones, and other trappings. At the core of most modern witchcraft is energy work and manipulation of the energy around you to achieve a goal. So as for tips, I would encourage you to practice feeling and moving energy, both yours and your surroundings. If you're looking for a good book on this practice, one I can recommend is Psychic Witch by Matt Oren. Besides the knowledge written in the pages about his practice and beliefs, the book contains over 50 different exercises with a foundation in energy work and focus. I would start there if you're starting anywhere. Thank you so much for your question, L. Wallace 36 I hope I was able to answer it in a way that helped you. If you want to have your question answered in a podcast episode, head over to my Instagram and click on my Q&A highlight story. Now let's continue our discussion. When it comes to cancel culture, this is honestly something that I'm anxious about. That anxiety doesn't come from me feeling like I'm doing anything wrong. I actually feel like what I'm doing is serving the community in a helpful and positive way. But this anxiety actually comes from how quick someone or something can be canceled, even without context. Sometimes I feel like people are too quick to jump on others who have been called out, ganging up on them with a mob mentality, even if they don't realize it. Now, obviously, that isn't true for everyone or everything, but I've seen it enough, even when the callout is warranted, that it makes me anxious to even make a mistake. It also makes me anxious to speak out about certain things that I feel are wrong or need to be talked about that are brought up by other larger, more quote-unquote big-name pagans just because they have a larger following. And even if someone doesn't say to directly go attack someone or do something like that, a lot of times certain fan bases or certain people in a fan base, no matter who they're a fan of, can be very passionate, I guess, about the people that they're following and um, can get very hateful and very mean. And there are a lot of instances of doxing and death threats that we can face in our communities if we speak out about certain things or certain people that we might have issues with what they talk about. So don't get me wrong, most cancellations are warranted, but I feel like using the phrase cancel culture does a disservice to what's actually happening, which, as I said at the beginning, is just accountability. In my opinion, the way we go about this as a community could probably change a bit, but that's just me, I guess. I feel like we would do better to have initial private conversations. I would really hope that if I were to ever 
make a mistake or say something wrong or even promote a book with a problematic author, someone would be kind enough to reach out to me privately and have an adult conversation before any public calling out happens. This then gives me a chance to rectify the situation and make a public apology, take posts down, etc. before things get too out of control as I've so often seen. However, I also know that private conversations aren't always feasible, 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 (laughs) especially if you're trying to talk with someone that has a larger following, maybe they have DMs turned off, maybe they have notifications turned off, or sometimes messages or emails just get lost. And then you have some people that have a habit of doing or saying terrible things even after they've been educated or pointed in the right direction. Those are people that need to be held accountable for their actions and words. Cancel culture is sometimes taken too far. If someone doesn't know any better and isn't given a chance to correct their mistake and learn from it, we may be pushing people out of the community for no reason other than they messed up one time. I respect that this is also nuanced. If mistakes keep being repeated and no learning is taking place, then yes, that person should probably not be in the community and they have more growing to do on their own. I think cancel culture may be too nuanced to talk about all in one episode, just like the topic of gatekeeping. There are multiple points on multiple different sides and multiple different meanings, and yeah, everything can't be talked about in one 45-minute podcast episode with just one person talking with one person's opinions. In general, with both concepts... I think it would help everyone if we were all a little more critical of the things we hear, read, and watch on the internet. This is your reminder that social media is fake. For real. (laughs) I have been taking a break from social media for the entire month of July, and it's done wonders for my mental health. I've cut down on how much I use social media, what I use it for, and who I interact with. When we're constantly bombarded with video after post after video... Larger issues begin to lose their meaning and people only interact with or post what causes drama because that's what gets views and attention. If we are critical about what gatekeeping is and what legitimate cancel culture is, I think we would all be better off in our respective communities. And don't get me wrong, sometimes drama needs to be posted, drama needs to be talked about, problematic people need to be called out, problematic people need to be kicked out or cancelled. We need to keep the gates. Keeping the gates of our communities safe from those that would do it harm involve those guarding the gates of the communities to speak to each other. Sometimes that has to happen publicly and sometimes that causes drama and rifts. Again, it's all nuanced. It's all complicated and convoluted and many different people will have many different opinions and I respect that. Overall, overall, I guess that's the main message of this episode. Be critical of yourself, your beliefs, and the things you do and say. Be critical of the things others say. Be kind to yourself when you make a mistake and you didn't know better, but also extend that kindness to others. The world is far too cynical and will harden even the softest of hearts. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. At the root of both of these issues is kindness to others. Have the kindness and courtesy to listen to those that have gates kept and closed and guarded. What are their reasons? Why do they feel like their gates have to be guarded? Respect that, especially if you're an outsider. 
but also have grace to walk away from a gate that doesn't belong to you. Have the grace to dismiss fabricated gates, like the one telling you that tarot is a closed practice or that you have to be gifted your first deck. Don't get swept up in mob mentality either. I'm not saying that everyone deserves our kindness all the time. That's far from the truth. What I am saying is that communities and topics don't have to be as dramatic as people make them. So remember, expecting kindness and legwork is not gatekeeping, and communities quick to cancel without allowing growth aren't communities I want to be part of. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I hope this episode made sense and that I was able to explain myself clearly. If you ever have any questions, comments, or concerns about this episode or any other, feel free to reach out to me by email or on social media. All of those links are in the show notes, and I try to answer every one that I get. Before you go today, let's shuffle the deck and pick a card to reflect on for August. Today, I'm shuffling from my Hanson Roberts tarot deck, and if you'd like to take a look at this one, I'll leave a link for it in the show notes. Okay, this month, let's reflect on the Four of Swords. Here are some questions to think about. How do you allow yourself to rest when you're weary? Do you often have too much on your plate and feel guilty about resting? What is keeping you from taking that break that you need? And finally, how can you begin to step back and gain perspective in the situations that you face? Make sure you check the links in the show notes for invitations to my Discord server, my Facebook group, both communities that are full of people who are willing to speak about their experiences, ask questions, just hang out. We have a lot of really fun conversations in there. We're all very supportive of each other, and it is a safe and inclusive space for everyone except trash human beings. I also have a link in the show notes to my shop where I just listed a few new items, including a very adorable cottage witch hat that you can get custom made to your liking. And with that, I'll talk to you next time.